Shalom Ubracha, we are up to Yuma Daf Chof Aleph. Today's Daf talks about the Nisim that we saw in the Beis HaMikdash, Beis HaMikdash Rishon, Beis HaMikdash about the, the golden fruit that Shlomo Melech had planted there. We talk about the six types of holy fires. And we finish the, the parak discussing the smoke of the Ma'arocha, how it bent, it didn't bend. Spoiler alert, it kind of bent. All right, we'll get there. We finished off yesterday's Daf talking about these loud sounds that are heard across the world and Chazal Davin to get rid of the loud sound of a Neshama leaving the guf. There's a Gemara elsewhere that tells us that there are different types of leaving the guf. There's the Tzadikim who aren't attached to Gashmias. That's like pulling a hair out of milk. That's easy. They're already so Ruchniastic to go into Oilam Ruchni to leave the Gashmias isn't so hard. But for a Shalom who are more connected, that's like pulling a thorn out of wool. It's entangled. But this all started with the, the Kriyas Hagever which was either the sound of the rooster crowing or, or the announcer in the base of Mikdash. Rav Shila said that it was a, that Kriyas HaGever means the rooster crowing. So we have a raya to that because we have a story that uh, we have a halacha, that if someone goes out onto the road, he shouldn't leave until he hears the rooster. It's too dark, it's dangerous at night, wait till it's daytime. If he goes out before then, then then he is responsible for his own life. Now, Rav Yeshia says that he should wait until it crows two times or three times until it's mamish daytime, and it has to be an average rooster that's roost that's uh, roosting. I mean, that's not the right word. That is, it's crowing at the an average time. He's not crowing too early, not crowing too late. Now, Rav Yehuda, my Rav says that when Klaistral went up to be oiler regel, they would prostrate themselves, do a full hishdachavoya, and the whole crowd would go eleven amas. Past the 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 kapayres. So what's the chiddush over here? Meaning they were so squashed they had to expand eleven amas out. That's not such a big chiddush. When you need more room, you move out. And Rav says no. They were already eleven amas past the kapayres. And even so, since they they were so tightly squashed, they filled up every every square inch that Yisraelim were allowed to be in. They still had room to go down and do a full prostration in the same space that they were able to stand in hardly vertically. This is one. Of the ten nisim that they saw in the base of Mekdosh. There's a Mishnah that lists the ten nisim. We're going to try to figure out. We end up coming out with like 15 nisim. The first one was a woman never miscarried from the smell of the meat in the Kodesh. Number two, the meat never spoiled. It was two days out of the refrigerator sometimes. And three, they never found a fly in the butcher area in the base of Mekdosh. Number four, the Kohen Godel never saw a keri. The Rachayim explains even if he was Maharer, the Bonshalom saved him from any keri. Number five, they never found a psal in the Oimer, in the Shteya Lechem. That's number six. And number seven, or a psal in the Lechem upon him. These are Kabbalists that if they went bad, you couldn't just replenish it on Numtiv. They, they had processes that were done before. Number eight, the, when Klaistral was standing up, they were squished. But when they went down, they had just as much room spreading themselves out. Number nine, a snake or a scorpion never hurt someone in Yerushalayim, ever. And number ten, in Yerushalayim, no one ever said, ah, it's so shrekel, there's no room for me over here in Yerushalayam. There's always room. The Chassam Sefer says, that was the nice. And no one complained. Aha. Now the Gemara, the Gemara says, okay, you told me that there were 10 Nisim in the base of Mikdash, but the last two were Nisim in Yerushalayim, not in the base of Mikdash. No one got hurt and no one complained. Those are Yerushalayim Nisim. So the Gemara says we have two more that were in the base of Mikdash. So this would be the 11th on our grand total list is the rain never put out the fire that was on the Mesbech, on the Ma'arocha. And the 12th, 
the smoke of the Marocha, no matter how much wind was blowing, it wouldn't bend. It stayed exactly where it was. The Gemara says, wait, that you only have 12 Nisim? Rav Shmia said in the city of Kalnabo, yeah, he says that there was another Nis, that the, the little shards of pottery, the disposable kalim, would be absorbed into the ground. By he says that the, the little parts of the the gizzard and whatnot, the, the ashes of the Mizbeach, Hapanimi, and from the Menorah, they were also, they got absorbed into the ground. That's a Nezugaloi. The Gemara says, Hanami, this is one of the ten Nisim. Those three Karbanas that never went bad, that was actually one. So that those three turned into one, and now we add on this extra one. Oh, wait, so now we're short. Now we're down to nine. So we have a 14th Nes that happened. There's a Nezugalo that Rabbi Yeshua Ben Levi says that the Lechem upon him never went stale. They put it in fresh and squishy. It came out just just that way, and which is a nice good. If you look at these Sephardi matzahs, they're just flour and water. They they turn into a rock. But then lechem upon them were fresh, like the like the moment they came out of the oven. The Gemara says, wait, you only got 14 mir- miracles. Let's keep going. Rebbe Levi says that we know that the place where the oven was in the Kodesh Kedoshim did not take up any space. The dimensions didn't fit. It's an unimaginable nace. The Gemara says, yeah, but that was an internal nace. That was hidden inside the Kodesh Kedosh, and we're talking about nisim that people saw. So what about the Lechem upon him? That's also, that's a, a nace that was inside. The Gemara says, no, that's not true. People actually saw the nace of the Lechem upon him. Rishlokish tells us that uh, the Shulchan is called the Shulchan HaTahar. Okay, but when, when do we ever see the Shulchan becoming Tomei? It can't become Tomei. It's an immobile piece of wood, right? It, was, it stayed in one spot, and Kli eats, which is meant to be immobile, is not Makabal Tumah. So how could he say that it was a Shulchan Hatar? It must be that they moved it sometimes. When did they move it? Well, they used to pick it up to show the Oile Regalim. Chevra, come here, look how much Jeroboam Shlodim loves you. Look at how fresh these chalas are. And then these were baked a week ago. Maybe that could be our tefillah sadaf that we should always be able to feel Hashem's love and be able to see it in every little thing. Mitzvah Hashem will be able to see the Lechem upon him, but until then we should feel Hashem's love and see it. The Gemara says a 15th nace. Rav says that when Shlomo Melech built the Besamekta, she planted trees, but these weren't stamped trees. These were golden trees that grew golden fruit. And when the wind blew, the, tree, the, the golden fruit would fall off. Pasuk says, Yerash Kalavan on Periyoy. When the Goyim came into the Besamekdosh, these trees dried out. And Mitzvah Shem, Lo'asid Lavei HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to bring back these fruits, these golden trees. Why isn't this counted as one of the nisim that happened in the base of Mikdash? The Gemara says that was a nis kavua. We know that if you see a nis every day, you know, the fact that you're able to swallow and your body digests food and your lungs are breathing constantly and your heart beats while you're sleeping, etc., etc., it's not as impactful of a nis. And the Gemara says that once you, once you, you say this, that we're only counting nisim that weren't kavua, the oran and the kruvim were also nisim that were set. The Kruvim were also, they, they didn't take up any space. This huge Kruvim that Shlomo Melech put in that also didn't fit the dimensions of the Kesh Kedosh. Now, Omar Mar, who says that there was smoke on the Maharacha? You're trying to tell me that the smoke didn't, didn't blow by the wind? The Brisa tells us there were five things about this smoke, about the Maharacha, the fire on the Maharacha that was very different than normal smoke. Number one, it was in the shape of a lion. Number two, it had no color. It was clear like the, like the, like, like the sun. Three, it had no. It actually was. A, it was tangible. You couldn't put your hand through this fire. It was thick. Four, it would consume wet and dry alike. And five, it didn't have any smoke. So what are you talking about? Smoke that that didn't move from the maracha. There was no smoke. 
the post can bring down, maybe this is a raya, that electricity, which is fire, which isn't fire, still has the din of ash, even if it's like a paladiga fire electricity. The Gemara says that those smoke pillars came from a fire that, w- that was built by Hedyot, by not Menashemayim. The Brisa says, we learned that the Aranakoin would put Aish on the Mizbeach. So even though the fire would come from Shemayim, at least in the first place of Mikdash, there was still a mitzvah to create a fire down here as a, a form of Ishtadlus, maybe. Now the Gemara says, you told me that the fire on the Mizbeach was shaped like a lion. We have a Brisa that says that Rev Hanina saw the fire on the Merkava. And on the Ma'arocha, and it was shaped like a dog, not a lion. It's much smaller. The Gemara says, yes, and the second base of Mekdash was smaller like a dog. The first base of Mekdash is when it was crouching like a lion. The Gemara says, well, who says that there was fire in the second base of Mekdash? The, the, the Pesach says, boy We read of Ekov Do, with a hey. Why, why is it written without a hey? Because there were five things that were missing in the second base of Mekdash. Number one, we're missing the Aron and the, and the, the Kapiris, the Kruvim. Number two, we didn't have the Aish. Number three, the Shechina wasn't Shaiva like it was in the first place of Mikdash. Number four, we lost Racha Kodesh. Number five, the Urum Vetumim. The Rambam says there was a Urum Vetumim, it just didn't answer any questions. But you see that there was no Aish in the second place of Mikdash. So what are you talking about? That it was crouching like a dog? And for the Gemara, there was fire, but we had to facilitate the fire. We had to keep it going while in the first place of Mikdash, the fire came in a Shemaim and it ran itself. It didn't need any replenishing of Kindle. Now, the Gemara continues and says that there are six types of fire. There's a fire that eats but doesn't drink. There's a fire that drinks but doesn't eat. There's a fire that eats and drinks. There's a fire that eats liquids and uh, uh, wet material and dry material. There's a, a fire that pushes away fire, and there's a fire that eats fire. So we're going to go through each one. The regular fire that we have, it's it eats but it doesn't drink. Right? It, it takes... it devours solids, not liquids. What's a fire that devours liquids? This is someone who has a fever. Right? Even if he's not hungry, he lost his appetite, but all the liquids that go into his body are eaten by the body. What's a fire that eats solids and liquids? This is the fire balio. And higher caramel, it says, It ate up the, the water that was poured onto the Mizbeach as well. What's a, what's a fire that devours liquids just like uh, something that's wet, just like something that's dry. That was the Ma'aracha. The Ma'aracha would devour anything that was put on the Mizbeach. All the Eivarim. There's also a fire that pushes away fire. This is the fire of Malach Gavriel. The Malachim are, are, are Ish. And they went into the fire to create a a bubble, a vacuum, for Hanani, Mishal, Azariah, within the fire where there wouldn't be fire. So that was a fire that pushed away fire. And then there's a fire that consumes fire. This is the Rabbanish Lam, the Shechina is a fire. And it says that, that when Hashem was taking a vote between the Malachim, who are also Aish, whether to create man, there were two Malachim that said, no, nah, we shouldn't make man. So Hashem said, oh, interesting. And he put his finger between them and devoured them. So that's a fire that devours fire. Fire devour, devouring fire. It's not easy to say. Next, the Gemara tells us, you said that no wind in the world can move, can make the, the smoke of the Ma'arocha budge. Ravitzok Baravdimi says that Amos Yamt on Sukkot, after Shminat Saris, everyone would go outside and look at the smoke of the Ma'arocha and to see where it was bending. Depending on where it bent, if it would bend north, the Aniyam were very happy, the Balabatim were not so happy because there was going to be a lot of rain, it would be too much, and then the, the Paris would go bad if they don't get rid of it quickly. The value of the fruit went down, but the Aniyam would have plenty of food. 
if the smoke was billowing towards the south, the Anim would be very sad. The Balabatim would be happy because that meant that there wouldn't be too much rain and their fruits, their produce would stay dry and would last better, last longer. But the price would be a little higher. That, that's not good for the Anim. If the smoke was going east, everyone would be happy. That, that's the perfect amount, perfect balance of preservation and price. If it went west, everyone was sad. It, it, everything would be dry. There wouldn't be enough food. Everyone they, That wasn't good. But you see clearly that the smoke would go in a specific direction. The winds did blow it. And the Gomorrah answers that this also... It wasn't that the it dispersed the smoke like normal smoke. If you blow smoke, it goes all over the place. It didn't. It stayed as a pillar. It would just the entire pillar of smoke would lean like a palm tree. So depending which direction this palm tree of smoke would go, that would tell us how the year was going to be financially. So just on this last Gemara, uh, we learned that if it went east, everyone was happy. If it went west, everyone was sad. We have a. Uh, a statement that was exactly the opposite. We learned that if it goes east, that was great for everyone. If it went west, it was bad for everyone. Uh, north was good for wheat, but it was bad for olives. Um, south was bad for wheat, but it was good for olives. And Rabbi Yosef over there says, in the name of Marzutro, or maybe Marzutro, there's a way to remember it, because the, the Shulchan in the, in the Heichal was in the north. The Menorah was in the south. So if it went north, it was good for the shulchan, that was wheat. And if it went south, that was good for the olives, the oil, the manaira. But you see, it's exact punkfakeit from what we learned. Before we said that east was bad and west was good. What is it? Which direction is good? Which, which direction is bad? The Gemara says it depends where you're from. In Bavel, east was good, west was bad. In Eretz Israel, they had mountains and valleys and it would dry up faster, the directions meant the opposite. Hadrana Loch Shivas Yomim, which started off talking about sequestering the Koyin Godel for seven days, in the Lishkas Parhedrin, and we have another Koyin, who would watch over him, and the Mishnah told us he had a backup wife, and the Chachamim said, Nein, Thank you for learning with me. Have a wonderful day.